celebrate getting out of bed because there are some days that you just don't feel like it. So thank you so much for being here. Uh, you're new here. My name is Pastor Adam Carroll, and um, I have the privilege, privilege of leading this church with my wife, my beautiful wife, Tanya, that plays the keyboard and sings so beautifully, and uh, I'm, just, I'm just thrilled to be a part of, of what God is doing here at the Refuge. Um, as before I get in this morning, I just want to point out uh, one of the announcements that was in our video uh, just a minute ago, and that is Summerfest 2019 is June 22nd, and you don't want to miss it. Last year, uh, we were able to be a part of the Wyndham Summerfest, um, and this is, this is what's so cool, is when you give to the Refuge Church, you give through the Refuge Church. And because of your gift to the refuge, we were able to, um, to take some of our money and, and to, to give $3,000 to uh, Wyndham Summerfest. And, um, and that's one way that we, we do that. So um, this year, again, we gave $3,000 to Wyndham Summerfest. And what that money is going towards is an inflatable park. Um, and uh, a really cool story about last year. Um, what happened was I was standing in the information uh, tent at Wyndham Summerfest, and um, one of the people working with Wyndham Summerfest, uh, how many times can I say Wyndham Summerfest in this uh, little story here? Uh, that's the question. Um, she told me a story about how uh, there was a, a young mom with her kids uh, that came by the booth and asked how much the tickets cost to do the inflatable park. And she said, I was so thrilled when I said, it's free. And the reason it was free is because you gave $3,000 to help pay for it. And so because we pay for it, they don't, the community doesn't have to. And I believe with all of my heart that the church is, is, is to take the load off of the community, so to speak. And so uh, that's, that's, what we, that's what we do. And, um, a part of that is, um, how many of you know that sometimes it's a lot easier to write a check for something than it is to give your time? Uh, it is. It's a lot easier to write a check for something than it is to give your time. Uh, but we also need your time to uh, help us man the inflatable. And it is so much fun. Um, the sun is out. The sun's going to be out this year. It's not going to rain like it did last year. Uh, we're going to give away cotton candy. And we're going to just be there for, for the families and the kids. And you get to stand at the, at the inflatables and uh, help man them, help keep them safe, and talk to the parents while the kids are doing the inflatables and invite the parents to church. And it's an amazing opportunity that you don't want to miss out on. So uh, visit refugemain.church forward slash this week and uh, sign up for a time slot. I think we've got an hour and a half time slot. Um, something like that. That's all we're asking you for an hour and a half of your time. And the more people sign up, uh, the less people we need, right? And the more people sign up, the less time that you need to give. And so I think last year we required 50 people. That's it. That's all it takes, 50 people uh, to, to man these inflatables. So make sure you, uh, you do that. This morning I'm super excited to start a new series called Summer 
as a refuge. Hello, summer. Come on, somebody. We are ready. We are excited. Nobody celebrates summer like New England celebrates summer. You know what I'm saying? And so, um, so we're we're doing a series called Summer at the at the Refuge, and um, it's one of the the longest series that we'll ever do because what this is is it's gonna last all summer long, and uh, it's gonna lead us into August fourth, which is the beginning of a thing that we do called Twenty One Days of Prayer. And uh, it's going to lead us right into 21 days of prayer where we seek God together. Um, and, and what happens a lot of times is um, in our world, uh, we kind of tend to lose structure during the summertime, right? And so uh, throughout the year, we do structured series. And, um, and, and like we, we talk about relationships in a series. We'll talk about finances in a series. We'll talk about spiritual growth in a series. And what we're doing in the summertime is we're, we're just losing a little bit of structure and giving uh, the speaker the freedom to talk about uh, one thing at a time and what I call standalone messages. And so, um, and, and there will be some where I'll, I'll do a to be continued, and, uh, but there will be others where uh, we just talk about, about one thing. And so this morning I want to talk to you about the subject of your heart. Subject of your heart. So, if, if I were to come up with a, a a title for this message, I would simply call it "Check Your Heart." Check your heart. So, turn to your neighbor and say, "Check your heart." Turn to your neighbor and say, "Check your heart." Turn to your second choice and say, "You too." You're not getting, you're not getting off the hook. You gotta check it too. You gotta check it too. So, we're gonna check our hearts this morning, and. Um, I believe that God has given me a, a message that we all we all need to hear. Let's pray. God, I thank you so much for um, the word, Father, that I have the privilege of preaching this morning. God, it's it's a privilege that I don't deserve. So, Lord, I pray that you would use me in, in an incredible way. God, I pray that you would speak to our, all of our hearts, mine included. Lord, as we open your word, help us to open our hearts so that you can speak to us. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Uh, you can follow along with all of our notes in the YouVersion Bible app if you have a cell phone or an iPad or any kind of device. Uh, we invite you to follow along with any of our notes. Or if you have your Bibles, we ask you to get it out and be ready to turn to it. Or follow along on our screen. We want to uh, make it as easy as possible to give you the information that we're giving, but it's not about the information. It's about the transformation of what Jeff died. It's about the transformation, not the information. So, um, the heart, we all know, is an organ in our bodies that pumps blood through our veins that gives us life. That's what the organ of the heart is. But according to the Bible, the heart is so much more. The heart is so much more than just an organ that our bodies have. And so what happens throughout life is we wake up and we fight and we grind and we repeat. We fight and we grind and we repeat. We fight and we grind. 
grind and we repeat. We, we work hard and we, we, we're busy and we're going about life and we're, we're in relationships with each other. And some of those relationships we have fights in and, and some of those uh, the, the things throughout life, we're just, it's, it's always a fight. And this week I started asking myself the question, what are we fighting for? And I came up with the idea that the number one thing that we all fight for is our heart. So if I were to give us a big idea for the day, the, the big idea of today's message is the number one thing you fight for is your heart. You have a heart so that you can fight for your heart. And if we're going to fight for our heart, we're going to have to guard our heart. And so, in the Bible, of the, the book of Proverbs, chapter 4, verse 23, is kind of where we, we get the theme verse for the day. The Bible has a lot to say about the heart. And in fact, we're not going to cover all of it. We're not, we don't have enough time, really, to cover all of the things that, we, that the Bible has to say about our heart. But I want to invite you this week, just to, if you're looking for a study... In, in your, your quiet time with God this week, just, just do a word study on the word heart in the Bible. Just look up, um, some, some Bibles in the back of, of it has this thing called a concordance. And, um, and what you can do is you can go and you can look up a, a verse, or a, sorry, you can look up a, a, a word, and you can get all the verses that, that, that contain that word. Or you can simply go to, uh, BibleGateway.com or Bible.com, and you can type in the word heart and see all the word, all the verses that the word heart appears in. There's a lot that the Bible has to say about the heart. It says things like, um, out of the heart comes the words of our mouth, right? The words that we say starts in our heart. It says that where your treasure is, your heart is also. Where your time, your talents, and, and the money that you have, it that's where your heart is. And so, so we can do a, a big in-depth study on the heart because the heart isn't just the organ that pumps the blood through our veins, but the heart is who we are and it's the central processing unit of the soul. And if you want to know a person, you have to know their heart. So this morning, we're checking our hearts together. The Bible in Proverbs chapter 24, verse, uh, sorry, verse 4, verse 23, it says, Above all else, guard your heart, for everything flows from it. Everything we do comes out of our heart. It's who you are. It's your core. It's, it's the most important thing that you have. That's why God says to guard it. You have a heart so that you can keep your heart. But your heart, you'll see as we go throughout today's message, your heart doesn't belong to you. So, um, this morning we're, we're checking our hearts. When we look at, at the Bible, and we look at, at certain words, like if I'm doing a word study, and if I really want to get to know what the Bible is saying about that particular word, I like to practice sometimes what's called the, the law of first mention. And that's just a, 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 a tool to studying the Bible. 
the law of first mention simply says, and it's not one to put a lot of weight into, um, but it's one that oftentimes if you're trying to understand a word better according to the Bible, then you can look into the law of first mention and you can look back to the first time that that word is used in the scripture and you can find out a whole lot about it. And so this morning with the word heart, we're going to look at the law of first mention and we're going to turn to the book of Genesis chapter 6. And this is the first time that the Bible uses the English word heart. Okay, so this is the first time that the Bible uses the word heart and it's in Genesis chapter 6. Verses 5 through 8, and it says this. The Lord saw how great the wickedness of the human race had become on the earth. And that every inclination of the thoughts of the human heart was only evil all the time. I love, I love that we often think that our thoughts come from our mind. Ladies and gentlemen, your thoughts come from your heart from your heart. Verse 6 says, The Lord regretted that he made the human beings up on the earth. All his heart was deeply troubled. So the Lord said, I will wipe from the face of the earth the human race that I have created. And with them the animals, the birds of, uh, sorry, I, got, I lost my place here. The birds and the creatures that move along the ground, for I regret that I have made them. Verse 8, but Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. But Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. Verse 9, this is the account of Noah and his family. Noah was a righteous man, blameless among the people of his time. He walked faithfully with God. In this passage, we see a lot about the heart. In Genesis chapter 1, verse 27, it says that man was created in the image of God. And because we're created in the image of God, there's a lot about us that is a lot like God. And in this verse, we see that God's heart is a lot like the human heart. It's troubled. It breaks. God's heart breaks. God's heart loves. God's heart even regrets. He regretted that he even made the human race. But we also see the difference between God's heart and the human heart. Because, because the passage says that the human heart was desperately wicked. It was wicked. Our hearts are wicked. God's heart is not. And because our hearts are wicked, they must be guarded. Because our hearts are wicked, they must be guarded. And so today, I want to give you three how-tos of the heart. Three how-tos of the heart. Number one, I'm going to talk about how to guard your heart. If our heart must be guarded, as Proverbs chapter 4 tells us, because everything flows from it, then how do we guard our hearts? In Genesis chapter 6, we see that God's heart is broken. That's, and, and 
By the way, I love the fact of the first mission of the heart isn't talking necessarily about the human heart, but it, it, it refers to it to God's heart. And it points out, this is what God's heart is like. And it's a lot like ours. It's troubled, it breaks, it loves, and it regrets. But in the midst of that, we see that there was a man that was able, in the midst of God's heartbrokenness, when he was heartbroken, in the midst of it, there was a man that was able to rise to the top, and God was able to find favor with him. Ladies and gentlemen, God is not mad at the human race. God is mad about the human race. He's not mad at you. Mad about you. And in the midst of being heartbroken because of man's wickedness, it was man's wickedness that made him upset. It was man's wickedness that broke his heart. And in the midst of it, he was able to find favor with a man by the name of Noah. And as I read that verse, I can't help but to find myself asking, what was it about Noah that he was able to find favor with God in the midst of his being heartbroken. What was it about Noah that he was able to find favor with God? Verse 9 tells us. Genesis 6, 9. Noah was a righteous man, blameless, among the people of his time. He walked faithfully with God. And ladies and gentlemen, if you want to know how to guard your heart, number one, it starts with living righteously. It starts with living righteously. We're not saved by our works. We're saved by the works of Jesus. But because of the works of Jesus, we can live righteously through Him. So number one, the, the number one way to guard your heart is to live righteously. Living righteously. Philippians chapter 3, verse 9 says, And become one with him. I no longer count on my own righteousness through obeying the law. It's not through obedience to the law that makes us righteous. It's not through dotting our I's and crossing our T's. It's not through following the law that makes us righteous. But it's, carry on reading. Rather, I become righteous through faith in Jesus Christ for God's way of making us right with himself depends on faith. Your righteousness depends on your faith, not on your action. By grace we have been saved through our faith. It is not of ourselves. It's a gift of God so that no one can boast about it. Your faith makes you righteous, not your action. He lived righteously. And our righteousness begins with Jesus. Because Jesus was righteous, because Jesus was perfect, I don't have to be perfect. I just have to have faith in him that he has the ability. Are you getting something? Do you, do you understand? Do you understand how good that is? I said, do you understand how good that is? Number two, you have to walk with God. So first, you have to live righteously. Secondly, Noah walked with God. Walking with God 
is simply having intimacy with God. You guard your heart by living righteously and by walking with God. You walk with God by reading your Bible every day, by getting up. You don't, you don't read your Bible so that you can be righteous and follow the law. You live, you read your word, the word of God, so that you can walk with God, so that you can know God, so that you can be intimate with God. You talk with God through prayer, not because you're sick or because your family is sick, but you talk with God because he cares and because he wants to spend time with you and he wants to be intimate with you and he wants your heart. And as you live righteously and you walk with him, you guard your heart, your most prized possession. Last week I said that we have to get a word from God. Ladies and gentlemen, every morning, every day I wake up, as I fight for my heart, I have to get a word from God. I have to hear from Him. He's the most important person that I hear from every single day of my life. In the book of Romans chapter 10, verse 17, it says, it says, faith comes by hearing, and hearing comes by the word of God. And if I'm going to get a word of God, I have to get the word of God in my heart. And I have to follow it. So you have to live righteously, you have to walk with God. And then the third way to guard your heart is you have to have people in your life to, that you give permission to guard it for you. You have to have people in your life that you give permission to guard your heart for you. You can't guard your heart alone. You know why? Because I have blind spots. I need to have someone that, that I give permission to walk into my life and just say, Pastor Adam, is that a wise decision? Is that a wise decision? Are you sure that's the right thing to do in this situation? Are you sure you want to say that? What would I do without my wife? Are you sure you want to say that, Adam? You sure you want to go there? You have to have people that you give permission to guard your heart for you. Look at Hebrews chapter 3, verse 12 through 13. See to it, brothers and sisters, that none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God. But encourage one another daily. But encourage one another daily. As long as it is called today, so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. The way that we stay out of the deceitfulness of sin is by having other people that will point it out in our lives. So Pastor Adam, your sin right now is is um, deceiving you. Maybe your, de your sin is deceiving you right now. Are you sure you want to do that? We have blind spots. This past week, I read a heartbreaking story. I was, I was heartbroken by it. In fact, I, I caught it on the, on the, on the front end of, of the article. And later on, a, 
an edit came out about it. And it's about a 17-year-old girl in the Netherlands. Maybe some of you have read it. Uh, the first report said that she had been euthanized legally in her home. The second part came out that said that she wasn't euthanized, that she just starved herself to death and, um, and quit drinking. And the doctors and, the, and her parents chose to not force feed her. They didn't make her eat. They didn't make her drink. They allowed her to die. And I was heartbroken when I read it. Noah, Noah uh, Pothovin, what's her name? And she was sexually assaulted as a child. She became extremely depressed and anorexic. And at the age of 16, she asked her parents if she could be euthanized. But the Dutch law wouldn't require for her, wouldn't allow her to be euthanized because her parents didn't sign off consent. But at some point, her parents stopped fighting for her. And as I read that story, all I can think about is who was fighting for her. We don't just need to help each other guard our hearts. We have to fight for each other's hearts. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 15 tells us to speak the truth in love. And when you're willing to speak the truth in love, you're, willing to, you're saying, I'm willing to fight for you. I'm not going to watch you go down this road because I'm going to fight for you. And my fighting for you may cause us to fight with each other. But you know what? I'm going to fight for you because you're worth it. But here's the thing. Love doesn't force itself on anyone. That's, there's another word for that. I'm not going to share what that is. But. So the only people that you can fight for are those that give you permission. And if, if you're trying to help someone and you're trying to fight for that person by giving them some advice and, and you're trying to help them and, they, and they, they reject it, you know what? You tried. And because otherwise you're going you're gonna to force yourself on them and, and that turns into something that they don't want. And that, that, that turns into to, to control and that, that turns into uh, manipulation and that, 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 that turns into things that doesn't produce results. And so as you fight for someone, you have to get the permission to fight for them and just ask them, say, can I fight for you now? Will you just let me fight for you? Here's the thing though. We live in a world that likes to fight for each other when we're sick physically. But why don't we fight for each other when we're fighting emotionally or spiritually. We buy bracelets. We shave our heads in support of someone that is sick. We even do community fundraisers for each other to help them pay for their medical bills. But when was the last time we stayed up praying all night because our family was dying without Jesus. 
was the last time we fought to be along someone that was depressed? That we held up emotionally? That we were there when they were crying, when they felt alone? We have to be willing to fight for each other. When was the last time you fought for someone that's in your family that doesn't know Jesus? When we fight for our family member that doesn't know Jesus, we choose to never compromise in our faith. Because your faith isn't just a belief. Your faith has to be who you are. And any inconsistency that your faith isn't who you are, looks like a lie to them. So as you fight for your family members' lives, so you fight for their hearts, you don't compromise in your faith because your faith is who you are. So let's recap. How do you guard your heart? Live righteously. Walk with Jesus. Number three, give permission to those around you to guard your hearts for you. Because there will come a time when you don't feel like it. Second, how to, number two. How to, number two is how to tell your heart has been stolen. How to tell your heart has been stolen. The best sermons that a preacher will hear will be the sermons that inspire other, other sermons. And so... As a preacher, the sermons um, that I listen to that I say are good are the ones that have inspired another message in me. And last week, uh, we were at the Warrior Conference, and this message was inspired by a word that, that the, the preacher said. And it was just a sentence. But um, one of the things that he said was, was John chapter 10, verse 10. Um, he, he used a verse that we often use in, at the refuge. And it says this, it says, The thief's purpose is to steal, kill, and destroy, but my purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. Notice the three things that the thief does. He steals, he kills, and he destroys. But also notice the adjective that is used to describe the enemy. He doesn't say the murderer comes to steal, kill, and destroy. He doesn't say the destroyer comes to steal, kill, and destroy. He says the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. The number one way that Satan destroys our lives is by stealing our hearts. And that's why Proverbs says, above all, all else, guard your hearts because everything's stolen. You see, we go through a battle and we oftentimes get to the end of the battle and we say, you know what, I'm still breathing, I'm still alive, he didn't kill me. But Satan is standing there and he's saying, yeah, but I got a piece of your heart. The number one attack of the devil is to steal. And he steals our hearts piece by piece by piece by piece. That's why guarding our hearts has to be 100% all the time, 
you don't get a break. Because you let your guard down and a piece of your heart is gone. Above all else, guard your heart for everything flows from it. How do you tell your heart's been stolen? I've got four signs to tell you that your heart is stolen. We're not going to go to all of them because I could do a sermon on each one. The first way is bitterness. Ask yourself, where is the bitterness in my life? Maybe there's a piece of your heart that's missing in that place. Do I have bitterness when I'm at work? Well, maybe a piece of your heart has been stolen when you're at work. Resentment. Do you resent going to work? Maybe a piece of your heart has been stolen in that area. Unforgiveness. Who in your life are you willing to, are you not willing to forgive? And better yet, I want to carry that a step further because there are areas of our lives where we haven't confessed to God that are still unforgiven. Now, because the Bible says in, in 1 John chapter 1, verse 9, if you confess your sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all, undo, all wrongdoing. So therefore, we must confess our sins in order to receive the forgiveness for our sins, even though they've already been forgiven. The blood of Jesus covers it all, but God still wants us to confess our sins to him in areas of our lives that are that are our hearts are taken can be caused by unconfessed sin it's not just about about conflict protecting your heart and guarding your heart isn't just guarding your heart against conflict with other people it's also guarding your heart with conflict against god because where there is sin in our lives there is conflict with god we are wrestling with him in it. So we have to go to him with the things that we struggle with and we ask him to forgive us from it. We're going to talk about that more in a moment. So bitterness, resentment, unforgiveness, and then fourth and final is a hardened heart. When you get to the hardened heart stage, ladies and gentlemen, it's, it's not good. It's not good. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 14 and 15 says, work at living in peace with everyone and work in living a holy life for those who are not holy will not see the Lord. Look after each other so that none of you fails to receive the grace of God. Watch out that no poisonous root of bitterness grows, grows up to trouble you, corrupting you. Guard each other's hearts against bitterness. Don't let our guards down. How to number three, the last one. How to number three. I want to tell you how to restore your heart. So I've told you uh, how to, how to, what was, what was number one? Anybody paying attention? Huh? Told you number one. You got it. What was it? How to guard your heart. You live righteously. You walk faithfully. You invite others to guard it for you. How to tell your heart's been stolen. Bitterness. 
resentment, unforgiveness, and a hardened heart. And finally, we're going to give you how to restore your heart. You see, if it wasn't for the restoration of the heart, all of this would mean nothing. But I have good news, ladies and gentlemen. The good news is that your heart can be restored. Your heart can be brought back to the place that it was created. And that is this house. I can't think of a better story to illustrate the restoration of the heart more so than King David. King David was a man after God's own heart. He was the one that was the king of Israel. He was, in fact, when you, like, King David was one of the greatest kings of all time. And the story of King David, unfortunately, includes the story of sin. You see, there was a time when kings went to war, the Bible says. And this king... David chose not to go to war. In fact, he chose to go to his rooftop. And the Bible says it was the time of day when women would go up to the, to the roof of their house to bathe. You can look at the story in 2 Samuel chapter 11 and 12. He goes, he goes to, to his rooftop and he sees his beautiful neighbor whose name is, name is Bathsheba, who's on top of her roof without her clothes on, bathing. And he sees how beautiful she is. And you see, Bathsheba has a husband. And his, her husband is, is a man by the name of Uriah. Uriah happened to serve in King David's army. So in a time that was custom for kings to go to war, King David stayed at home. And, his, and, and Bathsheba's husband is out fighting for the king. And David swoops in and steals Uriah's wife. That's exactly what happened. He said, you know what, I think she's beautiful. And he, he, the Bible says he sends a messenger to go and get her. And the king invites her to the palace. And so she comes. And he ends up sleeping with Bathsheba. By the way, the Bible is a rated R book. <laughs> he sleeps with Bathsheba Bathsheba gets pregnant uh oh uh oh and so he decides you know what I, I need to do something to get myself out of this mess so he sends for Uriah to come home and Uriah comes home and he says Uriah I want you to go home and sleep with your wife <laughs> But Uriah had more honor than David. And Uriah chose to honor his men. And what I don't understand about David is that as in this story, we see piece by piece by piece of his heart missing. And this was a heart that used to honor the king. This was a heart that used to have honor. But all of a sudden, because he's had piece by piece by piece taken away, he doesn't honor anymore. He's not honoring his men. And so he says, Uriah, go home and sleep with your wife. And Uriah says, no, I have more honor than that. I'm not going to go and sleep with her. And so what does the king do? The king gets desperate. And he says, you know what? Have some wine. <laughs> get, 
and he gets Uriah drunk. And even in his drunkenness, he still has honor. And he doesn't go home to sleep with his wife. And so David's going, oh, man, what am I going to do now? So he says, you know what? I'm going to have to kill Uriah. I'm, I'm going to have to kill him. And piece by piece by piece, you can see David's heart be gone. You see, the catastrophic mistakes in our lives don't happen all at once. They happen piece by piece by piece by piece. You don't just wake up one day and say, I think I'll cheat on my wife today. But piece by piece by piece. And all of a sudden you're doing something and you're going, I don't know how I did that. Well, I know how you did it. You did it when you, when you flirted with the girl at the coffee pot at work. I don't know how I got myself in this mess. Piece by piece by piece. Everything flows from the heart. So David sends Uriah with his own death sentence to battle. And he tells the captain, pull back when the, when the battle is the, the most fierce and let Uriah die. And Uriah, David had noticed the, the honor in Uriah's heart. And so he knew that Uriah wouldn't open the very note that told the captain to kill him. So Uriah dies. And David marries Bathsheba to cover up the sin of the baby that she was carrying. Not that the baby was the sin, but the baby was the result of the sin. Until a day a prophet by the name of Nathan comes to David's house. A man of God. He comes to David's house and he, and he tells David about, about a rich man and a poor man. The rich man has a lot of lambs, a lot of sheep. There's a lot of, a lot of animals that he has. But the poor man has this, has this one lamb that is so dear to the family. It's a pet to the family. And the family loves it. And the rich man one day has a visitor to come and see him, someone that was really, really high up. And he wanted to impress him. So in order to impress, the rich man steals the poor man's lamb and he kills it and they eat it. And David is angry. He goes, that man must die. And in some of the most powerful words in all of the scripture, Nathan looks at him and says, He says, you're the one I'm talking about, David. And David is just heartbroken. Because it's in that moment that he realized, where has my heart gone? My heart has been stolen from me. And in that moment, David pens one of the most powerful psalms in all the Bible. 
Psalm chapter 51. Verse 1 and 2. He says, have mercy on me, O God, because of my, your unfailing love. Because of your great compassion, blot out the stain of my sin. Wash me clean of my guilt. Purify me from my sin. He goes on to say, God, I have done evil. Verse 10. David says, create in me a clean heart, O God. And restore a loyal spirit in me. The New Living Translation says. Renew a loyal spirit within me. What's David saying? He's saying, God, somewhere along the way, I stopped walking with you. Make me loyal again that I would never stray. Give me a new heart. And the number one way that you restore your heart is to ask God to replace it with himself. You see, God is the only one that has defeated Satan. And because he has defeated the thief, he has the power to reach down, to grab your heart again, and to give it back to you. Satan is defeated. The thief is defeated. And because he's defeated, you can have your heart again. The question of reflection today is an easy one. Who has your heart? Who has your heart? I want to submit to you that one or two people have your heart. You or God. Either you or God. And if you're the only one that guards your heart, then you are in trouble. I, I don't give Satan enough credit to say that he has your heart. You, you are the one that has the power to control your heart. So who has it? All of you or all of God? see, the Bible says that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son so that whosoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. Because God gave his son Jesus for your heart, you have the power to give him your heart. And when you give him your heart, when you trust him with it, he takes it and he, and he, and he has it once and for all. And he promises us eternal life because of it. But it's only by the blood of Jesus. When I was five years old, I chose to give God my heart. And along the way, there were times where Satan would take a piece here, take a piece there. But you know what? He didn't have it. I had already given it to God. It was all his. 
But I had to have that moment where I confessed. The Bible says to confess with your heart that Jesus is Lord. I love it. I love that it's, it's a confession of the heart. It's, it's believing in your heart and confessing with your mouth. Romans 10, 9, and 10. You can read it later because I've confused it already. <laughs> By believing in your heart and confessing with your mouth, you are saved. You have to come to a moment of your lives where you confess it with your mouth. And you believe it in your heart. Is there anyone in the room that would say, Pastor Adam, I'm going to, I'm, I'm, I've never given God my heart. Would you, would you just slip your hand up so I can, I can pray for you? Yeah, thank you. Anybody else? So I can lead you in a prayer. Thank you. I see that hand. Anybody else? I want to give God my heart today. If you raise your hand, I want to invite you to say a prayer with me. Say, God, I give you my heart. Because Jesus died for it with his blood, I give it to you. Help me to live righteously. Help me to walk faithfully. And give me people that would guard my heart for me so that I can live for you. Come into my life and save me. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Every head bowed, every eyes closed today. If you said that prayer, I want to invite you on the back of the connection card that you got on your way in. There's a part to fill out. Just fill that out. Drop it off at the Welcome Home banner or at the High banner on your way out. And we, get, we have a gift that we want to give you to share with you your next steps. But maybe there are some people in this room that would say, Adam, I still, I've given God my heart, but Satan has taken peace by peace, by peace. And if I don't turn around and I don't do something, he's going to have my heart in a minute. I need to guard my heart better. And ladies and gentlemen, my hand is raised. This morning, I was going through my notes. And I was, I was studying and I was like, whoa. I need to take care of some stuff. There's, there's some stuff in my life that I need to do differently. So God, I come before you right now and I ask you to forgive me of the, of the sin in my life and the areas of my life that I've allowed bitterness to creep in. God, I ask that you would come in and that you would show me, Lord, ways that I'm not walking with you. Help me to walk with you in this. God, I pray that you would protect my heart from being hardened, that, that you would have it all. And God, help me to walk faithfully with you. Help me to live righteously. And help me to have people in my life that will expose the blind spots that I have. Father, I, I love you, God. I love you. Lord, I ask that you be with us this week. And God, that you would leave us astounded at the glory of the Lord. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.
Would you give God a hand for what he's done today? Come on. Come on.